0: Charlie.
1: Charlie. Charlie.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. We're still
1: seeing it quite well through that haze. fight growing. Equals MC. And all
0: men are created equal. About the future innovations. And growing strength in the air. Tear
1: down. we head on. Something's happening This is Finding Your Frequency. With your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new episode of Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure. And uh, first of all, I want to just start off the show thanking all the listeners that uh, make the show happen. We appreciate all of you guys that tune in every week. Uh, if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't be here bringing you the information. I'd probably be bringing it, but it uh, wouldn't be as much fun uh, knowing that just, you know, people out there. You know, absorbing this information, uh, getting good information and knowledge, because, you know, nobody likes to repeat the same mistakes twice. Right. And if we can bring some people on the show that, you know, have been there and done that in business and in in, in many facets of life uh, and they can give us some tips and tidbits on, you know, some of the things they went through. So maybe when you decide to start your own company or um, or you start to do some new strategic planning for a company, maybe you're already at or those types of things that uh, you know you get some of that knowledge here on finding your frequency and then of course we also get to hear these fantastic stories about where people came from why they do what they do uh, and you know we always end up with some you know pretty interesting information on people that you you never uh, would maybe think would be the way that they came up and about from uh, you know one place to another so uh, we, we appreciate uh, all the stories got a good show for you guys today I love talking about technology um, sometimes it can be a boring subject. It kind of depends on how you approach technology. Uh, But I think our guest today uh, has a great grasp on technology, data centers, uh, information technology, as well as several other aspects I'm sure that we'll get into because um, I can't have a technology conversation without talking a little bit about maybe blockchain or AI or, uh, you know, machine learning, um, IoT, maybe industry, 4.0. I don't know, any of those kind of things. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely Dig into that as we move through the show today, but uh, I want to introduce our guest, Mr. David Liggett. He is the founder and CEO of DataHawk, uh, uh, Data Center Hawk, uh, a subscription-based platform that helps data center professionals find solutions quickly. Uh, he's been active in the data center industry since 2007, and uh, you know. He, he was an entrepreneur. He started this company uh, after you know working for some Fortune 500 companies, uh, uh, doing some global commercial real estate, and uh, he's definitely passionate about helping industry professionals make well-informed decisions. And you know, I want to thank you for being on the show today, David. Welcome.
0: Uh, thank you. It's great to be here. Excited to uh, get to catch up.
1: Awesome. Well, you know. Uh, in the world of data centers, I know when you talk data center stuff, it is kind of a little boring sometimes because, you know, but at the same time, I don't think I don't think sometimes people get the breadth of, you know, what a what a data center does for us. Right. Uh, how it impacts our daily lives, how they impact our daily lives Um so definitely want to get into some of that stuff, but before we get into talking about data centers and IT and technology and stuff like that, uh, I, I want to give you the opportunity to you know tell the listeners who who you are, uh, where you came from. Uh, you know, I'm not saying you know give me your life story since you were five years old or anything like that, but uh, obviously you were working at Fortune 500 companies doing uh, different IT based solutions and uh, things like that, and decided at one point that you were going to you know leave that space and become an entrepreneur and start the yeah. business that you're in now um, you know so what makes a person go and do that you know what uh, what what was it that made you find your frequency
0: yeah you bet that's great great question and thanks for again for the opportunity to, to connect with you and your listeners I think um, You know, my quick story is I I spent, I got into the data center space. You mentioned it in the intro back in 2007. And it was a very, this is still a very young industry. Uh, And I always ask people, we have a, a, a show as well that we do. And I always ask people like, how did you get into the data center space? Because everyone that's in this industry comes from a different perspective. Some come from the technology side, some come from the infrastructure side. I came from the commercial real estate side. So I worked for a company called CBRE. Um, it's a global real estate, Fortune 500 real estate company. Uh, I know, I know exactly, I,
1: I'm, I'm sitting in a CBRE building right now. There you go, you, <laughs> bet,
0: you bet. Yeah, it's a brand that a lot of people know about. Uh, and uh, I had the just great experience to get to work on a team uh, that was there for about eight years and just by accident started working on data center projects for CBRE clients. So think, you know, very large technology companies, telecom companies that were trying to figure out, hey, how do we solve our infrastructure problems and challenges? And this was, like I said, you know, it was a long time ago related to where we are now in, in the industry. And so that's when I got into the space and I quickly realized that the information around the space wasn't um, great and so I wanted to spend time trying to figure out how we could be create something that was an industry standard of, of data in the data center industry and so uh, back in 2014 started data center hawk and have been going ever since um, and so that's you know, that's my story in the in the data center space and what we've been focused on for the last seven years or so
1: that's awesome. So um, you guys are you guys are uh, doing physical data centers that are deploying a multitude of different technologies whether it be Windows-based yeah. machines or Linux and that's that's that kind of stuff, right?
0: Yeah, so our company datacenterhog.com, we track all of the data in the market and then people subscribe to our platform to get information about the market to go and make the decisions they have to make. So one thing if you're not in the data center industry um, and you mentioned You know, when you think about like building buildings and doing all and bringing power and fiber and all the things that it takes to put a data center together, Mm -hmm. that side is, is at times cannot be very exciting. But but what it shows is what we're doing, the reason you have to have these data center facilities is because of the way businesses, uh, individuals, consumers have adopted technology and are using it really at exponential rates. Um, And that's really what our business tracks. We track all that growth. Um, And so we track where people are building data centers. We track how big they are, how much power is going into them, uh, why those markets are growing the way they are. So like, as an example, the largest data center market in the world happens to be in the United States. And I'll ask you the question, do you know where it is? I'll let you guess. Where do you think the largest data center market in the U.S. is?
1: Uh, Richmond, Texas. Close,
0: uh, but it's actually in, uh, it's right outside of of DC in in kind of the Ashburn, Northern Virginia area. So Ashburn, Virginia, Sterling, Virginia, that little area uh, is the biggest um, data center market in the world, and and it, so anyway, so we track all that information. And it's really fun and, and exciting to to keep up with the
1: industry. <laughs> I'm over I'm over here laughing because I saw you look over at your buddy <laughs> when oh, yeah. I when I oh, yeah, w- yeah, yeah. when I said Richmond, Texas, uh, and the reason I say that right, so I, I work in this industry. I track I track listener statistics for uh, podcasts and internet talk oh, yeah. radio, right? Oh yeah, and. I get this question all the time and I try to explain to people right and they're like they're like what is with Ashburn Virginia and what is with Richmond Texas and I go well those are some of the largest data centers in the United States and so they're IP addresses, like, multitudes of them in those destinations, in those locations. And I said, sometimes cell phone stuff gets routed through there. Sometimes, you know, uh, lots of stuff gets routed through these data yeah. centers. Can, I get this question all the time. They'll be like, well, how is it possible that my number one region is Ashburn, Virginia? Right. And I'm yep. like, they're like, is it bots? Is it this? And I'm like, no, it's not bots. And they ask, they ask me a question, why? How do you know it's not bots? And I go, well, Bots click on stuff and they don't actually listen to it. They just give like a hit versus mm-hmm. actually consuming data from, you know, a CDN or, or pulling a file in. Uh, and when you look at a, a, a table that has, you know, 6,000 different IP addresses from one geographic location and they've consumed somewhere in the neighborhood of six to eight terabytes of MP3 files. Like, sure. you know, that's definitely not a bot. Um, But yeah, how do you explain stuff like that uh, in those anomalies when you guys are looking at data on data centers? And um, because I'm sure that question comes up from other industries besides the podcasting industry, Internet, television, um, you know, OTT, those types of technologies are all kind of tracking, you know, in in the same methodology that IAB put forth standard for podcasts, which is very standard for video as well. Um, So what would what would cause that?
0: Yeah, I mean, some of it is, you know, streaming services has been, um, has certainly like increased um, the way that companies are trying to get their infrastructure out so that they can serve their customers in a more effective way. You know, one of the things you you mentioned, just the amount of traffic that goes through some of these markets. So, you know, there's a statistic specific to Northern Virginia that says that 70% of internet traffic in the United States goes through that market every day. Um, and so, you know that that market grew, has grown the way it has for a number of reasons. One, the infrastructure there is solid. Two, um, there's been, you know, initial investment, you know, probably 20 or 30 years ago that really set the market up for growth. Um, and then, you know, it's 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 on the East Coast. It's close to New York, but obviously, it's not in New York. It's um, it's a very like strategic location. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so because of that we've seen you know a lot of the cloud providers people that uh, companies that are providing um, very large uh, and active like cloud services to companies today so think of your your you know, AWS is yeah your you as yours yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah. those those groups have grown significantly across really across the world uh, but as you kind of go market by market Northern Virginia certainly an area that um, that is is receiving a lot of that growth. And just to put it in perspective, we track market size at data center Hawk by megawatts. So this is the amount of like of power that has been delivered that can be leased. And the, the Northern Virginia market is about 1200 megawatts of multi-tenant data center space or power, power. The next closest market is Northern California and it's, it's in the like 450 megawatt range. So it is literally three times larger than the second largest data center market. That's a lot of electricity. It is. It is a lot of electricity. You got that right.
1: As a founder or business owner, you know what it's like to run your entire business from your inbox. Between the sales, recruiting, and fundraising emails, things can get messy really fast. Streak is a CRM designed to help stay on top of each part of your process and your inbox without leaving Gmail. Amazing. Let's not leave Gmail. Let's just work from right there. Streak gives you tools for email tracking, mail merges, and snippets. Saves you time, and you can scale up your email efficiency. In just a few minutes, you can also set up pipelines right inside your inbox. Start tracking your contacts and emails through each process. Streak helps you collaborate by sharing emails and pipelines with team members, whether you work in an office, out in the field, or on a remote team. Pipelines are completely customizable so you can track processes and details specific to your business. Access your pipeline on desktop or mobile app to add and share information in meetings, at job sites, or however you work on the go. Sign up for Streak today at streak.com frequency and get 20% off your first year of their pro plan, their most popular option that's streak.com slash frequency for 20% off their pro plan streak.com slash frequency i know when you think about it too because it's like you're not just keeping the lights on there's you know climate control functions with you know the data centers yeah. that have to be met to make sure machines don't overheat and you know all yep. that kind of stuff so we um uh, uh our platform is hosted over with Rackspace. uh sure is, is who is who we, we've hosted with for a really long time yeah um, you know and we we have a like a managed physical sets of servers that we have over there with them and i'm now toying around with the idea of moving things into the cloud because i'm thinking oh, yes. can, i'm thinking in my head can i can i can i pay less money with <laughs> yeah. with cloud versus uh you know a dedicated hardware uh, yeah. but i think these are these are the types of questions that you know people need information to answer as as, yeah. as what you guys provide right and um I, I didn't realize that, that your guys' resource existed. I mean, being able to look at some of the data on, you know, which platforms are being more widely utilized than others, um, you know, what who, who's adopted what technologies in those data centers more than other ones is also really helpful, too, when you're building applications and solutions for people, too, because, you know, if a lot of the data centers are moving away from Windows-based machines into, you know, other different uh, areas and people are hosting more wordpress things and you know those types of uh, uh elements you know for me as a as a as a as a business uh uh operator and and someone who's gonna go okay hey i have to make my product better but i want it to sure. be you know i want to spend the least amount of money now to make it last as long as it possibly can right and, yeah uh yeah and so yeah having that so, information is really helpful
0: yeah and i think too that so most of our information is is specifically related to like data centers in the commercial real estate industry, how they're growing, um, the cost at which they're growing. You know, if you take a typical office building, um, a commercial office building, you know, it's going to cost 10 times the amount that uh, to build a data center that would a traditional office building. So the amount of money or capital that these developers are spending today to grow data center facilities so that you can access you know, Apple TV so that you can access, uh, you know, go- your Google docs so that, you know, mm-hmm. people can do the daily things needed. The amount of money to to build that infrastructure is is very high. And so uh, because of that, the information needed to determine where to put those facilities and why to put them there, we think is really valuable. And that's why we've invested in, yeah. you know, the time and energy to build this this platform. And, and you know, if you think about COVID, uh, you know, COVID unfortunately was has been, you know, a very, you know, challenging time for people at a personal level and also a lot of businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing about the data center industry has been all of the work from home, all of the additional bandwidth needed to make that happen. The the growth that's taken place around these new technologies that have been needed to to allow us to succeed over the last 12 to 18 months has only grown the data center industry. So so in 2020 it had the biggest demand year that the data center industry did, had the largest demand year it, it has ever had, not just in the United States, but in areas like Europe and Asia. Uh, and, and 2021 has been a really strong year as well. So uh, it's it's a fascinating industry to be in. Uh, I have loved it, you know, getting to lead our company. Uh, you know, when you make the transition from working for someone else to doing it yourself, um, you know, you hope to be in an industry that's like, growing and moving forward in a really positive direction. And, and it's been really fun because the data center industry certainly is.
1: You know, I, I just had a thought in my head. I was like, wow, I really missed a big opportunity then in, in early 2020. Like I could have bought some stock in companies who, you know, operate in those spaces, I'm sure. And probably made, sure. made a little extra capital.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the data center stocks, there's about eight to 10 publicly traded REITs that are out there and, uh, they're doing
1: just fine <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna definitely go look into that um, sure. know, so I have a question on data centers which is kind of just slightly off topic from standard data centers but um, yeah do you guys do you guys looked at like do you guys ever look at um, you know the the other side of like cryptocurrencies and blockchains right because um, a lot of those uh, uh, you know those blockchains need a lot of computing power you know like Bitcoin is using you know all, some crazy GPUs to do that they mining, right. which take electricity right. and power just like a data center would. So there's a lot of similarities between, you know, crypto mining and a standard data center. Um, are you guys looking at how that growth is happening in that industry as well as regular standard data centers? I think we, we track the um,
0: drivers that are pushing you know, the data center industry to grow. So, so the similarities between like the traditional data center industry and things like Bitcoin and stuff like that is they, they both require a lot of power. The differences would be that, you know, most of the, uh, think insurance, financial technology companies that are going into the data, your traditional data center industry have, have high expectations around redundancy. Yeah. So all the data center, facilities that are being built today have levels of redundancy that they have to meet so that a bank or an insurance company can put their infrastructure with those companies. The like Bitcoin companies normally uh, have a less tall or, you know, uh, they can uh, go down from a power perspective and it's less. Uh, challenging for their business mm-hmm. uh, because then they can just start up again and they're okay. So it it that's been one of the challenges that you just don't see like a, a lot of Bitcoin mining being done in traditional data center facilities. Today, most of the time, those are in like uh, industrial buildings with your traditionally like uh, the way you know your, your traditional industrial setup you don't have like a hardened roof or anything like a normal data center would and, and that's okay for bitcoin miners um, okay. there are, yeah. now, now i would say though on the on certainly the blockchain side of things and some of that stuff, there there might be some increased redundancies and those might go into more traditional data center uh, facilities.
1: Yeah, no, I know redundancy is a, a super huge thing. I mean, we have, you know, uh, 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 four database servers and two application servers for, uh, you know, that exact reason with uh, load balancing and the whole nine yards and automatic, you know, turn one off, turn one on and switching. If, <laughs> so, oh yeah. Sure. Because you know we're in we're in we're in the content delivery business, right? I can't have uh, uh, the website go down or the mobile right application on. go down, right? So yeah, that's one hundred percent. There's definitely different layers and wow. So where do you guys go from here as you you know transition into you know? Gathering more and more data on these data centers because of the industry's growth and 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 what what kind of uh, expected trajectory and growth do you do you see for your company based on the growth of the data center industry as a whole?
0: Yeah, that's that's a great question. So, a couple things. One, when we started our uh, business, you know, the goal was really to be uh, producing really quality like accurate reliable and the right information on on data center markets in the united states and what we quickly realized was we have to have more of a global approach because that is where some of the needs are taking place so over the last several years we've expanded into europe and asia and so we're now producing like global information and if you think about it like a company in the u.s they have global needs so they've got to know how to grow into other markets and so a lot of the customers that we have on our site are trying to understand what's happening in those markets and so our our platform we have our website tools subscribable tools that allow companies to be able to answer those questions faster and more reliably today than they ever could before Mm -hmm. um and then the other side of things you know we really adopted a you know what i think was like a a um maybe a couple years ahead of its time content production um outlook related to different like videos and and information that we were putting out on the market so the traditional like data center industry I would say has been a bit sleepy in the way they market uh, and and it certainly hasn't improved so if if people are on here listening that are in that space in our market uh, that's not an insult at all that's just where we've come from Uh, but about I would say two and a half years ago, we started doing like video interviews with CEOs, um, CTOs, chief revenue officers at some of these data center operators. Um, And it has been fascinating to get to listen to their perspective, understand where they want to grow. And so, you know, in our original business plan, there was nothing around like heavy content production. I think we learned pretty quickly that that was a really good way for us to, you know stay in front of people and so we have a YouTube channel now that's you know got over hundred and something hundred twenty hundred thirty videos um, you know we produce a podcast so we've we really we really believe I really believe as leader of our company that the, the more quality content we can put out there uh, that's really helping people the, the better opportunities we have to serve customers.
1: Yeah no I agree with you 100% on that uh you know that's 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 great wisdom for just even uh uh you know, as a, as a, as a content creator myself, you know, it's, it's extremely important that you are able to leverage content creation. We've been, I've been saying this for 25 years, content is king, right? (laughs) Sure. Uh, And so, you know, having the different content and different mediums uh, for any company is very important. Uh, Everybody learns differently, right? Their olfactory learning is is all different. So you got to give them a blog article to read and a video to watch and something to listen to. Yeah. So I I applaud you on doing that. There's a, I wish more companies would embrace the content creation uh, methodology for, you know, getting the word out and staying relevant in, in in any of their industries. Um, That was pretty interesting about the crypto stuff that you were mentioning and, and how that works. Um, I would imagine that we're seeing a lot more uh, companies deploying artificial intelligence um, and machine learning uh, you know one of the things that's been highly fascinating for me has always been um, you know the idea of like the the uh, you know assembly line of the future or the uh, you know <clears throat> you know robots are making things and human beings are servicing robots and things are automated in uh, you know kind of an industry 4.0 kind of way um, which those also require huge amounts amounts of computing power. Um, do you forecast that in the future that some of these, uh, you know, uh, these these large warehouses and manufacturing facilities may, have, may house their own data centers in order to uh, operate the machinery that's there that is running off of AI and machine learning?
0: Yeah, they certainly could. I think one of the trends that we've seen over the last three to five years has been Companies really figuring out ways to be more flexible with their data center infrastructure. It's one of the reasons we've seen some of these cloud companies grow so much uh, because they have delivered solutions that are really helpful to, uh, uh, you know, whether it's normal production companies or, you know, financial or technology firms or even those that have like heavy AI um you know applications or or are doing things from that perspective so um i i do think that there will be some that actually decide to keep control of their data center infrastructure Um, but most companies can find a path to actually outsourcing that that is uh that that works for them that that's really what we've seen happen over the last 10 years um and until you get to a certain size or level where like at some point cloud doesn't make sense because you're, you're doing so much that it actually gets probably more expensive than doing it yourself. Um, but for most companies they can, they can find something within the cloud and, and, and benefit from not having to have your own servers and the physical uh, management mm-hmm. of that space.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I was just, I was also just kind of in my head, I'm thinking about, you know, just the, the, the bandwidth pipe needed in the future, right. For, yep. um, you know, if you are, if you are a, 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 manufacturing company of the future with all your robots and AI, like you're going to have to have like a five gigabyte, you know, uh, you know, fiber optic direct connect to the cloud <laughs> to yeah. be able to run everything, Yeah, you know, which I think, we, well, which, which is an infrastructure problem. I think, you know, as a whole. Um, you know nationally here in the united states you know we've we've not done you know a whole lot to really you know expand stuff from you know copper dsl lines and yep. t3s and you know those types of things you know and i think a lot of companies who um, are coming into areas of the country. Phoenix is one of them. You know, um, we have a lot of tech companies coming here um, because we do have, you know, like the Google Fiber and, you know, some of those other options here. Um, but a lot of places don't. And so, like, it's, your data is helping to track that, those I, those uh, components as well. Like, where's the fiber? Where's the, you know, yeah. the, the, the backbone of certain areas that can handle, you know, teraflops of data and, and, and those types of things, right?
0: Yeah, and that's been, you know, the network piece has been such a uh, an important part of solving these problems for companies, but it's even grown more important as these different technologies have been delivered over the last, you know, three to five years. Um, and, you know, the, the, the best way to explain that, I think, to people is just talk about how they're consuming content, the streaming content that they consume, whether it's on an iPad or computer or phone or whatever, um, but their ability to get that uh, cleanly and uh, at a rate that 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 holds their attention is what all these companies are fighting for so they're working to set up their infrastructure to make sure that they deliver the best experience for you when you're watching Netflix you know or the best experience yeah. when you know you're pulling up a, a video on TikTok or whatever it might be and so that's that has been you know that's all latency driven network driven how the architecture is is set up and it's only going to get more important I mean that that your ability a company's ability to deliver a product or experience to a user in a quick fast way uh, is everything in today's world Uh, and you know unfortunately like if our attention span has grown shorter over the last, you know, couple of years, I would imagine it's only gonna grow shorter, you know, (laughs) in the future. So, um, so yeah, network and connectivity uh, has played a, a massive role in the data center landscape and where physically these facilities are built and located.
1: Yeah, I know. Even for me, I mean, I'm not I'm not a data center, but we run quite a bit of data just out of our office because we're a streaming provider. We have machines that are encoding audio content and pushing up to the to the to the, you know, uh, to the users on a 24 hour day, seven day a week basis. And, you know, latency is important. I have multiple fiber connections in the building that will auto switch, you know, and they're from two different companies just to just to be safe. Uh, But yeah, like that, that was an important component for us. Is like where we were going to physically be located as a company, uh, you know, and as we start to move maneuver around, and you know, our lease becomes up, and we're getting ready to move, you know, where the data is and what type of an amount of data or how big of a pipe we can get is is instrumental. So I can only imagine, um, you know, how much more complex and how much of a larger you know hurdle that is for building a data center, you know, versus you know, I'm talking about an office with 25 people. I yeah, can't even imagine it. a, a data center and the amount of, you know, uh, connectivity necessary for, for something like that. Yeah. That's insane. So do you see, do you, do you see, uh, you know, a lot of money from, um, ISPs and such really getting into the network, portion and and expanding those capabilities I know here in Phoenix I feel like every place I always turn they're laying fiber lines somewhere and there's always constant construction and it's all when I look at what it is it's all fiber lines going in all over the place like it was pretty crazy they have central tore up all the way down for five or six miles because the main co-location where the fiber connection is is on central and Thomas and so they've expanded it all the way south Uh, at the same time as they're putting in the light rail so that way they're doing sure. two things at once but yeah it's been i mean i'm talking these fiber connection pieces are you know uh, two feet in diameter <laughs> yeah just, no it's
0: a, <laughs> huge. it's massive yeah, yeah it's massive and it's you know it's happening in places like phoenix and you know chicago and dallas and northern california uh seattle portland i mean this is a you know we're we're in this uh time period where Uh, this infrastructure is having to be continually upgraded because of the way that businesses and consumers are utilizing technology. And, um, and it's not just for today, but it's, you know, for what's going to be happening in the future. Uh, So I, you know, it's no surprise that, that you're seeing that. I think a lot of people just don't recognize it because it's, it's almost an invisible industry that, you know, you utilize every day, but you really don't know it. Um, You know, we talk about this all the time, but like, You know, the cloud is located in physical buildings. It's not a very, it's not, you know, an abstract thing. It is like a, it's located in physical buildings. And the more we utilize technology, the more of those buildings are needed to service those needs that are out there.
1: I got the opportunity a couple of years ago to tour. Uh, uh, there's a company they've since changed hands. They used to be called level three, but they were a content delivery network. Yeah. right? And so uh, caching and storage and delivery of uh, files and, you know, they're like, uh, so we're still with whatever they're, you know, they were CenturyLink and now they're Lumen. They've changed over the over the, the years. But um, they invited me to come check out their data center. Uh, where oh, yeah. was, and I'm like, yeah, cool. I get to go see a data center, you know, yep. and the CEO of our company, he's not as techie as I am. And he's like, don't you think that's going to be boring? And I'm like, no, this is going to be pretty cool. Uh, and I go there and it's like a six story building, right, with layers upon layers of layers. I was like. You know, and I asked the guy like how much electricity do you guys use? He's like, You don't even want to know what our electricity bill is. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Right
1: on. I mean the traditional so
0: today if you if you know, if you're listening to this, you've never been in a data center, here's like a thirty second version of what it's like. (laughs) You know, traditionally you're going to at least some of the bigger ones that are out there today, there's there's typically seven layers of, of security to get into the actual like raised floor or space where they have the data center uh, or where they have the actual servers. So you're gonna go through a perimeter fencing, a security guard, some sort of key card or biometric access to get into the building, then another security guard, then another key card access. And then you're going to be in an area where there's potentially like data halls that you can enter. And then there's cages where <laughs> different companies have their actual data center uh, kind of mini location within a bigger location. You need some sort of biometric or, or key card or actual key to get into that. And then you're in a you're in a, a room that is traditionally cool to anywhere from like sixty seven to seventy degrees. They're typically like very cool environments because these servers produce so much heat. Um, and and then around the building is all the the mechanical and electrical infrastructure that's needed to make sure that the the building can function properly as well as generators that are there to um that are in a position to act as backup power if the power in the facility goes down um and so it's a it is a and and the truth is is that if you live in a dallas northern virginia chicago phoenix silicon valley la you've probably driven by data centers all the time (laughs) you just don't even know that they're there because a lot of them are hidden in plain sight
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, you were talking about the layers of security to get into the data center. I only made it to, uh, there was still the last layer of security and they had all of their uh, server environment with the floor and all that. And the cooled environment was all surrounded by bulletproof glass. Oh, yeah. Right. So um, I was able to get that far where I could look at all of the machinery through the bulletproof glass. Um, Sure. And and yeah, that required a biometric entrance with only, you know, uh, six people in the company or something like that had actual physical access to that room.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, depending on the level of security needed for the individual company itself, you know, like as an example, uh, just in the last few weeks, I was in Chicago walking through um, a data center that, that was one of our customers. And, you know, this company has basically um, secure caging from the bottom, they, they actually go below the raised floor all the way up to the ceiling. And there is no way to like see into the, the actual like cage itself. Um, and so just depending on the, the, the customer or the industry type, uh, or the compliance needed to ensure that they can keep the information safe, et cetera. Um, you know, they'll go, uh, uh, there's some crazy things that companies will do to make sure that they're, um, you know, making that they have a physically safe environment. And, and, yeah. and that is what, you know, that's, that's one part of being in a data center. That's really interesting.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. I, uh, our, our, our chief technology officer here um, also consults for a, a very large bank out of San Francisco. Right. I'm not allowed to mention the bank, but um, he manages the, a lot of their uh, uh, consultation for data center usage and, you know, some of those kind of things. And uh, they, I think they run their own. And I was talking to him one weekend and he's like, oh, I'm not going to be available this weekend. We're doing uh, we're doing uh, fail safe testing um, on our, you know, uh, multiple different data center locations for the bank because it's very secure and all that. And so they, you know, did a DDoS attack on purpose and rerouted everything. Everything over to one data center and back to the other one. And, uh, you know, hearing how a bank, you know, utilizes multiple data centers, um, you know, to shift things around based upon, you know, different kind of security metrics, uh, you know, uh, was pretty interesting and. I think that's probably one of the other probably harder things to do for a data center is, uh, you know, maintain a, a high level of cybersecurity to ensure that, you know, nothing is, you know, hacked or broken into. You know, you have HIPAA compliance laws with healthcare, uh, yep. you know, providers and, you know, all the stuff that goes along with banks and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I I could see probably the cybersecurity industry for uh, data centers also probably growing at an exponential rate along with that.
0: Yeah. And, you know, as you're saying that, it makes me think of, you know, a number of like ransomware payments that have had to be made in the last, you know, couple of weeks to big companies where. They you know, did that sort of ha- with the
1: pipeline thing.
0: That, that's right. Yes. Yep. Yeah. The Colonial Pipeline. Yep. Yes. Uh, and, and so some sort of hacking group has come in. Um, and, and, you know, infiltrated the cyber security side of, of a company and, and you know, held, basically held their applications hostage. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, never like, I think this is a time where we have seen that being able to protect obviously the physical security side, but also the cybersecurity side of your, your, your uh, data center environment is so important. And it's one of the reasons that, you know, companies like, the one, you know, Rackspace or AWS or the individual companies themselves that have, that are putting data center facilities, um, you know, with or, or co locating with data center operators are spending time, energy, and effort devising systems to make sure that they are protected against. Uh, you know, whatever attacks might be out there.
1: Yeah, no, that's 100%. I, I We were a victim of a, a, a Mars encryption attack uh, uh, here at our office not too long ago um, where our network attached storage device, which just holds MP3 files. It wasn't like the, you know, which I also keep in the cloud. So, sure. obviously, you know, the word to the wise to put it in two places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have a backup at the house that pulls from the cloud. Yeah. You need it. <laughs> yeah. Just in case. But, you know, so I wasn't, it wasn't one of those scenarios for, for us where I was like, oh man, I got to make a payment to these pirates or whatever they are, you know, sure. Uh, because it was just MP3 files. I'm like, oh, you guys are holding our MP3 files ransom. Or And then it, it was really funny. They left a TXT document inside the folder also saying that, you know, if we didn't pay the ransomware, they were going to release all of our files and make them public. And I was like, "Oh, oh sweet! You love give yeah, give us some more listeners. Great, <laughs> that's awesome." So it was quite comical that they wanted to hold hold hostage our MP3 files. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So uh, with this all this rapidly growing and all of that, you know, I actually I wrote a note here that I thought was interesting because the more you, you talk about data centers and you know how you guys are aggregating data on the data centers for decision making, um, and and then having these conversations about the, the the size of these things, I just couldn't help myself. It's almost you know these data centers are powering our daily lives, our smartphones, our devices, our computers. You know, we're on Zoom right now. I'm sure that this. Uh, Uh, call that we're on right now is routed through some data center somewhere um, in order to connect the two of us together. Um, I think this is really becoming something that's, uh, 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 you know, almost a a necessity in our world now versus, uh, you know you know like before like you didn't really need a a a a a a pager right because there was telephones you know but as you start progressing through technology you start getting into spaces where you know everything is digital you have work from home components all these things that need to be connected um which makes the data center even more important moving forward for um just really the infrastructure of our technology our technical world now like it, it it's a Uh, It's one of those industries that's going to always be here in some way, shape or form as we, you know, progress with technology.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, certainly one that's not going away anytime soon. It's one of the reasons we're so excited to be in it with a platform uh, where we can help people um, figure out what's happening in this space and try to really put their arms around um, how they can make the best decisions possible. This is, you know, an industry that, you know, as I mentioned before, the amount of money that is being spent and, uh, you know, it it really hurts in this industry when you get it wrong. You know, if you make a bet with, you know, if, if you're, if you're someone that's building a data center and you build it in the wrong place, you got a problem. And it's typically a problem that's, you know, a couple hundred million dollar problem. You know, if you're an investor and you're investing into, you know, data center, um, Real estate, or you know, companies that are growing in the data center space, you got to make sure you you know who they are and what they're doing well. If you're a vendor serving the space, like cabling companies or, or construction companies, you want to make sure that you're you're doing it in places and with people that uh, are going to be where the growth is. And so it's it's one of those industries that because of the way we are exponentially using technology, um, it is certainly going to keep growing and, and it's the rate of growth that we you know people debate and you know it's mm-hmm. um but it it is certainly
1: one that's that we don't think will get stagnant anytime soon so when you, so i just this is just because i'm super curious and i live in phoenix right when you look at the data um how viable is the uh infrastructure of the phoenix metropolitan area to house more data centers just because i feel personally like i'm like we have, we have you know phoenix has like the most amount of sun in the entire country <laughs> you know and i'm thinking like if you coupled together you know solar power with our nuclear power plant right yeah. and build data centers in the middle of the desert where you can you know make use of all of the extra space that's there um, and then really the only thing you have to worry about at that point is uh, you know air conditioning because it gets like 118 degrees it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be 115 this weekend um, so I Perfect. know I'm, I'm spending myself uh, all, I'll be at the pool all day yeah all, two, two straight days but I was just just I, was, I had always just been curious about this that like we have so much land and available space in the desert in my head i'm like why why aren't more companies you know building gigantic solar farms that are feeding into data centers and and such i mean i mean we have no no hurricanes earthquakes you know those kind of things so i just that was just something i had a curious question about
0: yeah so let's talk about phoenix for just a second in fact we just did a probably 30 minute podcast on the Phoenix data center market literally like a week ago. So that's, (laughs) that's, that, that dives into some of the things that you just, you just brought up. But I think the, the, you know, a couple of like high level points, number one, the Phoenix data center market is growing. Um, you know, there has been, um, uh, large investments made by some you know, cloud providers uh, as well as data center operators. And if you know Phoenix, well, there's really five areas where the growth is taking place. One is the center of Phoenix, kind of the downtown area. There's been some larger facilities built there. If you go south, Chandler, um, that area kind of is, is an area that has grown in the last five to 10 years. Uh, Mesa is an area where there's a lot of residential growth kind of growing there, but there's also industrial and data center growth the north area of Phoenix. Um, and it's more kind of like maybe northwest uh, of Scottsdale. And then as you go to the other end, Goodyear is another area where we're seeing uh, growth take place. So, um, and and as it relates to energy, you know, the, the, the thing you brought up related to solar panels, I think highlights the fact that companies, uh, the data center industry uses a lot of power. And so um, over the last 10 years, Both data center users and the owners of these facilities have really worked hard to figure out how do we utilize renewable energy sources Mm -hmm. to power some of these sites and facilities and that is something that's happening. I think the challenge can be how much capital does it take to fund, (laughs) you know, some of these projects, especially on the renewable side, it can be, you know, more expensive than, you know, your traditional like natural resources uh, or, or other resources that maybe are more mature in their development. Um, but I, I think if you look at the bigger companies out there today that are doing these projects, they are looking at areas that can be served by renewable um, power and companies, power companies, uh, even the two that are, you know, most dominant in Phoenix have a have a really good uh, renewable power story and that attracts data center growth. So, you know, would not surprise me if you know, the Phoenix data center market in the next five, you know, three to five years doubles just because of the commitments made by some of these bigger companies.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of interesting. And, and I, I was, I was, uh, I was asking that question just because when, you know, I, I, I talk to young people, I do karate and some different things. I have, I have kids of my own and, you know, when people are asking me, you know, like, you know, what are the, you know, trends and things that you're seeing as a, you know, a person in business, you know, and, and having that information is great because, you know, I can, I can, I can tell some of these youngsters that are coming up and, you know, letting them know, Hey, you know, data centers are going to be big here in Phoenix, you know, so, you know, finding careers in network security cyber security um you know the the hard the hardware components that go into the servers and being able to service those from a mechanical engineering standpoint you know um you know it's always helpful to be able to kind of give that information to steer people towards you know what 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 the what it's going to look like in the future you know
0: yeah, and you know, it's one of the like, areas don't go get that, your
1: art history degree. It's not going to make right. you any money. That's right.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is job security 101 here. I mean, one of the one of the things that the data center industry is working hard to do is attract, you know, younger talent because right now uh, there's a there's a gap and trying to find young engineers, uh, people that can serve, you know, on the the electrical or, or the mechanical engineering side. Um, those that can come in even do you know the application and coding that takes place that these companies are are using to write these applications that will go on servers that will end up in data center facilities Uh, this is a a great time to get into the space and uh, and it will be for a long time and so I just you know of all the other things you can go out there and do if you're looking for an industry to invest in that gives you different opportunities either from a network side of things or a power side of things or infrastructure, whatever it might be, the data center industry is certainly one of them.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. I, um, I don't live too far from Goodyear. I live in uh, okay. south, southwest, southwest Phoenix in a little area called Levine, uh, and so okay. I'm, not, I'm not I'm not that far from uh, from Goodyear. I have a couple of good friends that live out there, and I have seen the gigantic, massive data center that they uh, um, are in the middle of building right now. It's uh, it's huge.
0: Yep. There's a, there's a number of them out there. And, you know, if you watch in the next three to five years, it'll, it'll grow. That'll start (laughs) being a pretty significant data center hub.
1: That's awesome. I really appreciate your time, David. It's been great having this conversation and, you know, and kind of, uh, you know, A, hearing your story about, uh, you know, your your move into the entrepreneurial world and, and what you guys do at your company. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, just having a candid conversation about how important data centers are and kind of filling the listeners, uh, uh, you know, their noggins with information on how uh, th- those data centers do power our daily lives uh, and how important they are. Uh, I want to give you just a couple of minutes to uh, let the listeners know where they can find out more about you, your company, your website, social media, any of those kind of things. Of course, I know that you said you had a YouTube channel and podcast that you guys were working on. Yep. So um, let people know, you know, um, guys, if you guys want to find out more about data centers and, and, and what David and his team does, uh, David, let the folks know how to get a hold of you.
0: Yeah, datacenterhawk.com. Again, that's datacenterhawk.com is our website. We have a blog there that we are, you know, consistently releasing information about what's happening in the industry. You can also uh, go to our YouTube channel um, and you can just search datacenterhawk, one word and it, it will bring up videos on you know the podcasts that we do here internally where we just talk about the data center market. Uh, we also interview uh, you know, great data center industry leaders and not just here in the us but in europe and in asia Um, and then all the social media channels that we have which would be linkedin twitter instagram all that stuff uh feel free to check us out there too so um you know again thanks for the opportunity to connect it's been great to be on and uh look forward to you know the next time we get to chat
1: yeah right on david it was definitely good to connect with you. I wanna thank all the listeners for tuning into the show today as well. Uh and obviously we'll be having shows every Friday at noon Pacific time, three PM Eastern on the Voice America Variety channel. You guys can make sure to go check out David again at datacenterhawk.com. Uh and then of course you can follow the radio show on finding your frequency net. Uh and then of course myself, I am always all over the interwebs. I am at Radio Ryan one, uh so easy to find there. Uh appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh big shout out to David and his company. Thank you guys for taking time for being on finding Your frequency. And remember it's Friday. It's Friday guys. Y'all have a great weekend.